Well, I'm tempted to say good morning, <laughs> but good evening and Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Amen. That's right, Margo. Oh my gosh, melt my heart. Got my five kids over here, my lovely bride. You did great amidst the microphone challenge, Michelle. Um, Christmas is magical in our house. These five young kids are very excited for tomorrow morning with stockings and presents, as well as Michelle's cinnamon rolls. So, but it is a joy to be with you here this evening. Uh, for those of you who don't know me, my name is Daniel. I'm one of the pastors here. Uh, it's great to have a room full of people on Christmas Eve singing, singing songs to the King. It really is a great joy to be with you. I want to talk to you guys tonight about expectations. Expectations. We all have them, whether we admit it or not. We all have expectations. And typically, how we respond to our expectations reveals what's going on in our hearts. I think oftentimes when my expectations are met, I'm happy. Uh, I'm satisfied. Say, yeah, well, it should be like that. Uh, but what's interesting is when expectations are not met, that's when a host of responses follow. In the negative, when your expectations aren't met, it could be something like frustration, or maybe passivity, or even anger, or sadness. But occasionally, when our expectations are not met, we have a positive response. And it could be something like wonder or amazement or compassion towards someone or kindness or an act of love. Well, this Christmas season is supposed to be marked by anticipation, by expectation, by the coming of the Lord Jesus. Well, for me, it's been anything but that. And as I've been walking through life with a number of you, the highs and the lows, it's been a tough season for a lot of us here in this church. It's been a season marked by sadness. It's been a season marked by loneliness, by depression. Even worse things such as adultery and murder and suicide and sexual assault. And these weighty things that I've been walking through life with many of you it's, it's a burden, and it's been hard. And it hasn't been a season of, oh, good tidings of comfort and joy, that's for sure. And oftentimes I find myself doubting, doubting, and I say, where's the hope? Where is the good tidings of comfort and joy? Where is the fa-la-la-la-la, to take one out of Richard's book? Well, the more that I reflected on this brokenness around me and around all of us, came to this realization that this is exactly what Christmas is all about. That the light of the world came in to pierce the darkness, to pierce the brokenness that you and I experience in this world every day. Jesus came to the world to understand the effects of sin, to feel the suffering that we go through. Now, the Messiah... He was expected. He was longed for. But the way in which he came was very much unexpected. It was very much unexpected. And that's what we're going to talk about here this evening. The unexpected way in which Jesus came into the world should lead us to worship. 
So I've got three parts here this evening. I'm going to set the scene with Jesus' expected coming. We're going to look at the unexpected first recipients of Jesus' birth announcement. And then we're going to take note of the responses to Jesus' coming. And we're in Luke chapter 2. If you have a Bible, feel free to open it up. It was read and it was on the screen. But let's first set the scene in Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 7. And our author, Luke, the doctor, who's so attentive to detail, he's drawing our attention to the world events and the characters surrounding Christ's birth. He starts with this great, mighty man, Caesar Augustus, the ruler of the Roman Empire, the ruler of the known world. And then he introduces us to Governor Quirinius, who was the governor in the little pocket of Palestine. And he was in charge of taking care of this census, this decree that everyone would be registered. And so he was a noble man. He was a powerful man, and he was also a very rich man. And then we have Joseph, the carpenter, the daddy to Jesus. He was a poor man, but he was also a free man. And then we have Mary, the lowly teenager who's been found with child. And so, Joseph and Mary, they head to Bethlehem. They were in Nazareth, and they went to Bethlehem, about a 90-mile journey. That might not seem very much to us with our cars and bicycles, but in those days, especially for a nine-month-old pregnant lady, that was quite a bit. So 90 miles, and then they had to go up in elevation, Bethlehem sat about 2,500 feet. Again, quite the journey for our prego lady, Mary. And then once they finally get to Bethlehem, their expectations are challenged yet again when they realize there's no place for them at the inn. The place for guests. They would have anticipated, they would have expected finding shelter, finding a place for food and drink and to lay their weary heads. And I think what's interesting about this text is that it doesn't give us a lot of the detail about why there wasn't room at the inn or where they actually did go to. And I was thinking, you know, maybe there wasn't any vacancy at the inn because this decree went forth, people had to be registered, and everybody made it back to Bethlehem, who's from there. But maybe with Joseph... Maybe he's still known around those parts. And maybe they saw that he's with this lady who's pregnant, and they know that he's not married, and the shame that would ensue. Or maybe Mary was in labor, and Joseph was scrambling, and he needed to find a place. And so we don't know where he found it, but we know that there was a manger there, an animal trough. In the children's books, they they put it in an animal stall. Some scholars think maybe it was in a cave, but we don't know. But what we do know, what Luke is trying to highlight for us is that he came in such a way of humility. These humble beginnings. And our last character here in this scene is the baby Jesus. The least powerful. The least privileged. Who's sleeping in an animal trough lined with animal spit from the previous feeding that day. And the most powerful characters 
in all of not just this scene, but in all of eternity, is there. Such irony that Luke is drawing to us with these mighty characters. But the way in which Jesus came in the corner of the Roman Empire would be the start of a kingdom that would far outstrip the glories of Rome. He would sit on David's throne and he would put Caesar Augustus to shame. One commentator said, the scandalous set of circumstances points forward to Jesus' future rejection by his own people and shame and embarrassment of death on a cross. The unexpected setting of Jesus' birth also anticipates the unexpected way in which Jesus would go about putting things right in God's creation. His life and his death did not match people's expectations. He wasn't born like a king, he didn't live like a king, and he certainly didn't die like a king. But nonetheless, God's promise and long-awaited king was here. End quote. Luke is continuing to unfold this great truth that it's not about the strong, it's not about the noble. But Jesus came rather for the weak, the marginalized, the outcasts, the poor, the least of these the unexpected ones of society. And we see that with this birth announcement to the shepherds. To the shepherds. So as our scene is set with Jesus' coming, let's turn to these recipients, the shepherds. This group of men who did not know him and were seen as outcasts in society, this continues with Luke's pattern here that Jesus was in fact brought forth in unexpected ways, unexpected means, and to unexpected people. One might think that a birth announcement of the most important person in human history, it might come to kings, it might come to nobles, it might come to Quirinius, the governor. But no, it came to some of the most distrusted and despised members of Jesus' day. And as these shepherds are tending their flock out in the field, think about this with me. It's dark. There's no light. Back then, they only had candlelight or fire. No electricity. Fireworks weren't on the scene yet. And all of a sudden, the brightest light that they've ever seen in their entire life was shining before them. It's like stadium lights being turned on in pitch darkness. A normal night, all is calm and all became bright, and an angel of the Lord appeared before them. The supernatural, their eyes were open to the spiritual world. And they responded like you and I would respond with great fear. In our house, we like to play a game called sardines. Uh, kids, if you're paying attention, well, let me just ask you, kids, who's afraid of the dark? Come on, kiddos. Yep. Drew is. Yep. <laughs> Jeff is. Solomon, are you afraid of the dark? Oh, he, he gone. <laughs> so we play this game sardines in our house, and it's kind of like reverse hide and seek, where the group of people are all counting, and then one person goes and hides. And then when people find them, they hide together and they're all like packed into a small hiding place like sardines. 
So my kids love it, and the older that they get, they're, they're finding these like really creative hiding, place, hiding places, like in the basement, and in the washing machine, and maybe in the dryer. <laughs> but when daddy hides, oh, it's on. Because daddy's got the best places in the house. And then, oh, I forgot to mention, the lights are turned off. <laughs> so after they're done counting, and they're coming to find daddy, Sometimes they'll split up, and if they're split up, I'll grab one of them, and I'll scare them. <laughs> and I'll say, boo! And they're like, ah! <laughs> and, then I'll, and then I'll embrace them, and I'll say, Daddy's got you. Let's hide. Don't say a word. This is the best hiding spot in the house right now. <laughs> and I think similarly, with this angelic appearance towards the shepherds, they were terrified initially but then they had great comfort. Because the angel, like it has been doing in the book of Luke, said, fear not, for I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David, Christ, a Savior, Christ the Lord good news for all people, including lowly shepherds. And as the shepherds are tuned in here to this birth announcement, or all of a sudden, they see not just one angel, but they see the sky lit up with a multitude of angels in this heavenly host, giving Jesus the rightly kingly coronation ceremony that He deserves for coming into His creation. They are announcing by singing praises of glory to God. And as we sang earlier, hark the heralds, angels sing, glory be to the newborn King. Peace on earth and mercy mild, God and sinners reconciled. Jesus deserved it, and He got it. But these shepherds, these shepherds, it just makes me wonder, like, what were they thinking? And so, let me just land our plane here today, here this evening, by looking at the responses of the shepherds as well as Mary. In verse 15, the shepherds say, let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened. And then it says that they went with haste. They went quickly. And think about this scene with me for a moment. Joseph and Mary... They're in an unexpected place that's very unfamiliar. They just went through this very unfamiliar experience known as labor and delivery. And for those of you who have been in a birthing room, it's a pretty intense place. Like, for my wife, there might be screaming. For, for other women, there might be cursing. <laughs> So it's, it's pretty, pretty wild, pretty intense. But then after the baby is born, there's this immense peace. There's this rest. There's this comfort. And then all of a sudden, these shepherds come bursting in the door. <laughs> Can you picture it? It's kind of hard. But the most despised, 
and distrusted members of society come bursting in the door. What do you think Joseph did? Luke doesn't include that. Maybe it wasn't very righteous what he did or say. But they were probably talking a million miles an hour. They probably saw baby Jesus, the sign, wrapped in his swaddle and lying in a horse trough. Well, I'll tell you how the shepherds didn't respond. I know that they didn't say, yeah, angels. Yeah, that's, that's nice. I think I believe in those. Or they come to Jesus and say, oh yeah, there He is. I've seen the Messiah long awaited for. Cool. Nice. Yeah, I believe in Him. Yeah, I, I think everything that was said about Him is, is true, but yeah, I mean, just what difference does it make though? It, it doesn't really impact my life. That's nice and all. But really, what difference does Jesus make? Those shepherds would not respond like that. That would be insanity. But many of us, we respond like that to Jesus. We do see this response from the shepherds, though. The most untrusted members were given the greatest birth announcement ever, and it changed them. And they went from there and told every person that they could. And it's a mark that often Jesus has on people's lives that He changes their life. Once someone encounters Jesus, their life is never the same. No doubt they went after that night back to their lives as shepherds. But I bet they began to reorient their life so that Jesus would be made known through their entire life. Verse 18 says that those that heard from them wondered. Those that heard the message of Jesus' birth from these shepherds were brought to amazement. Said, wow, that's incredible. They weren't embarrassed. They weren't waiting for more training or the story to unfold. They simply told people what God had done. And that's what witnessing is all about. We say what God has done, who He is, and how He has affected our lives. The most distrusted in society were used by God to bring worshipers to Him. Their life was definitely different. Their message was probably accompanied with a changed life. And those who knew the shepherds before knew that they were different now. Jesus came to them just as they were, and Jesus comes to us just as we are. We don't need to clean ourselves up. We don't need to prove that we are trustworthy. We don't need to prove that we are acceptable in society. Jesus is the one who makes us acceptable. Amen? So what difference does Jesus make in your life? Is He your Lord? Is He your Savior? Do you realize that this baby that was born grew to be a man? And then He died on a cross. A sinner's death that He did not deserve, but that you deserved and that I deserved. And when we believe that, we are accepted. We are welcomed. This is the good news of Christmas, that it doesn't just end with the birth story, but it goes all the way through His life, sinless, to the cross, 
death. And then the most unexpected event in all of history, the resurrection. The resurrection. This is amazing grace. And for those of you who do know Jesus, who have believed in Him, let me just turn our attention to Mary. It says that she treasured up all these things. She thought about them. Makes me wonder back to when Gabriel announced that she would be carrying the Christ child all the way to the events taking place in Bethlehem. And now these people, these shepherds, change lives. She thought about these things. She pondered these things. She wondered at these things. And she worshipped the child that was hers. So how about for you? How do you worship Jesus? It's great that you're here. And I love singing songs with you guys. But let me encourage you. Tomorrow when we don't gather on a Sunday, worship Jesus. Ponder the insanity of the incarnation that God came to us amidst the brokenness, amidst the hurting, amidst the loneliness, amidst the depression, amidst the things that are going on in your life that you want them to stop. Jesus is with you. He is right beside you. And He is the great King who wants to help you amidst these trials. Jesus didn't have to come but He chose to come because He loves us. Christmas is here, for unto you is born this day a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank You that at the perfect time You sent forth Jesus, born of a virgin. And Lord Jesus, I pray that You would become all the more real to those who are here tonight whether they know You or not. Lord, I pray that You would open up and give us eyes to see, much as the shepherds saw the supernatural, and You gave them faith. Lord, would You give us faith amidst the trials, amidst the burdens, amidst the brokenness. And Lord, we thank You for the unexpected way upon which You came. And I pray just that we would continue to marvel at it. Not just here tonight, but each and every year till we see You face to face. Much as Mary and Joseph did and much as the shepherds did. Would You help us to that end? We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.